In this episode, we're talking about finding the big idea behind your product, service, and brand. With it, you make your products memorable, shareable, and most of all, actionable. So let's get started. All right, so pulling out my marketing textbook here. So Wikipedia defines the big idea as an attempt to communicate a brand, product, or concept to the general public by creating a strong message that pushes brand boundaries and resonates with the consumers. I mean, I think that's a really great start. I'd say at the end of the day, put simply, a big idea is going to help me understand quickly what a product, service, or even a brand is all about. When you think Volvo, the first thing that comes to mind is what? Safety. When you think Google, the first thing that comes to mind? Maps. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. Search. Well, it used to be search. It's becoming so much more. The first thing that comes to mind when you think MasterCard is what? Priceless. Yes. Guy, I thought it was going to get you on that one. Those are big ideas. And those are just one word big ideas. You know, some have, you know, phrases. There's over a million words in the, in the English dictionary. Like, it takes a lot of intention, time, money to own those ideas. You know, I think what, what hinges here on, on good old Wikipedia is, is just this idea of a strong message. And yes, it is ultimately, it is a message. It is just words. But I think the big idea, as we'll discuss, is about so much more than just message in the sense of like advertising and slogans and taglines. And it's so much more about truth and culture and aspiration of your company and your employees and your customers. And that's what really, really, really makes it stick. Yeah. And this is a really good time to... Uh, define our criteria for the big idea. So why don't you kick us off? A big idea is really comprised of like two big parts. Yeah, exactly. And it always, always starts with the audience. Yes. So what is, you need to look at your audience, look at your industry. This requires a lot of research and a lot of stuff that most people would not deem quote unquote creative. But look at your industry, look at your audience. You've got to figure out like, what's the problem? What's the problem statement here that they are having? And we'll talk a bit more about that with, with Gutter Glove and other folks. We'll, we'll hit on an example here with Snickers. But then, then the other piece, so it's not just the problem, but then what's the emotional connection that we have? We'll look at, at you know Maslow's hierarchy in this. We'll go into real human nature sort of stuff. But what is the emotional connection that you, that you have, that we have to our audience to then develop develop this really succinct message, this big idea. Yeah. You might you might see it sometimes called a slogan or a tagline, and we'll you know yes and no to that. But but that's really what it comes down to is what is that? What's that problem? What's that observation we have as an organization? And then what's that emotional connection that we're making to our audience? Those two combined, when you get it right, can really help to put together a big idea. Now we spent a lot of time trying to get to a deep emotional connection. And the reason is, is because we feel like that's what's going to get people's attention. That's what's going to drive behavior. And that's what's going to get, you know, a, a consumer to trust the product or the brand. And that's, and that's, I mean, that's probably a whole other topic we can hit on. But like this emotional piece, this isn't because we are, you know, slick salesman advertisers. It's because that is how you get humans to listen. Yes. If you speak to them on an emotional level and realize the fact that as, as humans, we don't make decisions rationally. We think we do, but we don't, we are emotional in our, in our purchases and a lot of our decisions. If we can, if we can tap into that and go, we hear you, we get you, 
all of a sudden people sit up and listen and you cut through the noise instantly. One of the stats that we throw around here, and, and this stat continues to change, but consumers today are looking, 76% of consumers say they're looking to connect with the organizations or the brands that they buy from. So this emotional connection is a big piece of that equation, right? Yes. So let's look at a let's look at a fun a fun example here to help talk a little bit about big idea and I think some of the pitfalls that a lot of people can see and that and that honestly make and I don't I'm not even knocking anybody. I could see anybody doing this. But let, let's look at Snickers for a second. You know, if you've seen any of their, you know, I don't know if they're running so much of a campaign on it this uh, these days, but they're still using this this big idea, as yeah. we would call it. But this idea from Snickers that that you're not you when you're hungry. These ads of like dudes rolling around playing football, and like one of the guys turns into Mike, Betty White. What's your deal, man? Oh, come on, man! You've been riding me all day. Mike, you're playing like Betty White out there. That's not what your girlfriend said. Oh, baby. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Eat a Snickers. <laughs> and then they, you know, they give him a Snickers bar. He turns back into himself. Right. You know, they're they're hilarious because let's go back to those criteria. There's this this problem statement, this problem that you're not you when, when you're hungry. hungry Snickers, you're not you. You don't perform the same way, or yeah. whatever it may be. You're different. You're angry. You're slow. Whatever it may be. And there's this emotional connection that you just want to perform at your best. Right. That's it. That's what they're trying to get at. Whether that's playing pickup football with your buddies. Or getting ready for a big presentation, whatever it is, like that's the insight. Mm. So you put that together and just recognize to your audience, yo, you're not you when you're hungry. Yeah. All of a sudden I go, Oh, you get me, Snickers. You get my my hanger right. like nobody else. Yes. And exactly. that's really cool. But let's so let's reverse it though. Let's pretend we didn't have that answer to the to the test. Which is no small feat, man. I mean, there's fifty two hundred other candy bars out there. And a lot of choices for the consumer. And so you have to find a way to completely position it and differentiate it from the rest of the market. What's, what's fascinating about this is we all look at it and we go, we think of how funny it is because of the way the ads are executed. But we, we forget how insightful it is yeah. and how strategic it is mm. from a positioning standpoint. Yeah. No one really looks at it like that. So you go, okay, I'm in charge. I'm the agency or I'm the marketing you know, director here at Snickers. I got to figure this out. Most of us, and I don't fault anyone, our our first place to go is going to be, what do we do more or better than the others? Yeah, <laughs> we got a lot of that if we're looking at Snickers. We got caramel. We got what nougat, whatever nougat <laughs> What's is. A nougat. We got peanuts. We peanuts so yeah. I could easily go, you know, Snickers way more than a chocolate bar. Mm-hmm. That sounds cool, right? Yeah. Look at that. I just positioned us so much differently, but. Who cares? Right. That's not interesting. That doesn't have the emotional connection. No, and it just talks all. about us. Yes. It just tells other people, look at our features and benefits. Right. We got peanuts. We got peanuts and caramel. Who's got that? There we right. go. There's our position. There's our slogan. Snickers, mm-hmm. the only one with peanuts and caramel. Mm-hmm. I did it. Yeah. But does that solve a problem? Does that hit on an emotional insight? Right. No. no. No, it doesn't hit on an emotional insight. And as soon as a consumer runs into a different chocolate bar that's got you know twice as much nougat, whatever that is, then there's no, uh, there's nothing stopping them from choosing something else. The other thing this does is it helps the consumer categorize this product. If you're driving to a gas station, you're hungry, you got no other choice, and you're hungry, what are you going to choose? They did. They they said, look, man, this is the one to go for. Exactly. You're going to choose the Snickers. You're going to bypass the Charleston Chews. You're going to bypass the M&Ms. You're going to go for the Snickers. What about a Toblerone? They got the fancy stuff there. <laughs> That's way too fancy, dude. Not on my road trips. I'm going for Snickers. And the reason why is because Snickers has positioned itself to be the only one that can actually solve hunger 
<laughs> and get me back to my normal self. And that's what's so cool about this is just as I know, I know we're we're using it as as like a you know kind of a, in a joke, and I guess, but it's such a great case study to yeah. go. So much is being accomplished in that little phrase. You're not you when you're hungry. Mm-hmm. It's it's not only is it memorable, but it's even positioning them. It creates a story. It connects with me on this emotional level. It almost, it pierces a little bit at me in a way that's like, oh, like you got me. You get me, Snickers. Yes. And that is so important because it makes, it makes me a part of the story. So back to my examples, it's not Snickers going, look at us and all of our peanutty, nougaty glory. Right. It's going, we get you. We get that you can be a jerk when you're hungry. We get that sometimes when you're hungry, like you forget the answers to the questions. Mm-hmm. And you know what? We got the answer. Right. But it's so easy to remember. It's like you said, you go to the gas station, like you're reaching for them because they sort of told told you that. Yes. They told you that they work for that and they occupied that space. No one else is doing that. The beautiful thing about this too is we're talking about a candy bar, right? If we just, just take a step back. And yet they have created a big idea out of a deep enough human need that works across races, social economic boundaries, ages, like you're hungry. Yeah. You're not you is so fundamental that any human being can relate to that. So this good. is and this is a thing that we like we get after, we obsess about it honestly at Bamboo. You can get an idea, you can get a big idea that scratches some emotional itch. Makes you laugh, makes you cry, maybe it's aspirational, whatever it may be. But to achieve impact at a, at a mass scale requires you find and tap into a deep emotional need. So true. It's so, it's so hard. It's so hard. And it requires you to dig deeper. And this is kind of where we lean a lot on like Maslow to try to think about like what big fundamental needs is this big idea trying to you know target but it's not always easy and oftentimes because of time constraints and you know resources it's a lot more tempting to just uh, is this emotional is it have some kind of emotional sizzle to it if so great and you push it through but it's not it's not going to have the level of impact that it could unless you go deeper so true so good so here's another one just for funsies here's puma you know, Puma, uh, I mean, how do you compete with Nike? Yeah. Same question. You're dealing with, you're the marketing agency or the brand strategist coming in to try to rep Puma. That one seems even harder because there's, maybe because I just don't know how shoes are made, but it's like, there's so much less. Again, if I'm putting on that hat, I go, what's, what's my thing to compare to? Mm-hmm. You know, we have better leather. <laughs> better souls, you know, like, I don't know, like it's really challenging. And so you, you've really got to tap into something more, more human, yeah. more, more insightful about what your customer is doing versus the Nike customer totally. and how you define that. Yeah. You're not going to take Nike on in their own, like their own fight. You're not going to be able to compete at that level. So for Puma, the problem they're trying to solve is this. They see that, you know, the shoe market and clothing industry has always depicted sports as war, athletes as warriors. But they're going, maybe some of us just don't go to war. Maybe some of us just, you know, want to play and want to play at the bar, want to play at the lounge. You know, so that's the problem that they've identified. And I think there's a lot of people who'd go like, yeah, I want to be comfortable. I want to look sporty. But, dude, I'm not a, I'm not an Olympian. <laughs> I love how I love how honest it is. Yeah. You know, it's just like, look, some of us just want to look like we went to the gym today. <laughs> when in reality, most of us didn't. 
<laughs> so true. And so the emotion level, they at the emotional level, they're going, you know, you may have a drink in your hand. Uh, you know, you, you may be out, like I said, at the, at the bar. Uh, but Puma is like a great brand for you to just be sporting. And they've done a really good job, like getting into some of these other sports. Like I really think their, their presence in golf and tennis hmm. has really like been way more visible. But if you look at it, they've aligned themselves with athletes that have been a little bit more like hip, young, yeah. kind of stylish. And so they've really owned that rather than, you know, the the prototypical athlete like your Tiger Woods yeah. or, or what have you, you know. Yeah, I mean, they're on uh, Ricky Fowler's, yeah. you know, yeah. repping all their stuff. You know, you got your younger, more casual vibe. Like, yeah. it's it's smart. Yeah, that one's that one's so interesting to me because I think you would you would inevitably end up, you know, if, if you look at how most people would approach something like that, you would never see them. Uh, you, you see so often companies trying to, to take other companies head on yeah, and just go, yeah, we do what they do, but better. And it's just... It's so dangerous. And I think when we, we look at it in the context of these big companies and we go, well, whatever, no, whatever, do that. But people do it constantly, yeah, all the constantly. Time. We see constantly companies doing this. And it's so unfortunate because not only is it, you know, sort of elementary uh, in, its, in its approach, but it just doesn't, it makes the, the conversation just about you and the competition. Yes. There's nothing about your customer. There's nothing about their needs. And therefore, there's nothing to remember. Mm -hmm. And that's so unfortunate. In both cases, and this is not a coincidence, in both of these case studies, the brand is not the hero. It's not about Snickers. It's not about Puma. It's about the problem that those customers are facing. And in a lot of ways, they're trying to position themselves as, like we say, guides. They're yeah. trying to come alongside your journey, your experience, and, and improve that for you, help you improve that. And I think that's critical because to your point, whether you're selling tacos, shoes, a new vegetable to a restaurant, the temptation is to tell people why your product is better, not tell people what problem it's actually solving yeah. and connect with them at an emotional level. And to your point, like just to drive that point home, people will say, we've been around since 1906 or our, it's all about quality or our stuff is locally sourced. It's not to say those things don't have a, a place in communication and in your marketing, but that should not be the lead. That should not be the big idea. And I think, I think where people get confused by this so often, you know, whether it's in, in business school or just general interactions, folks ask, you know, what makes you different? What makes you uniquely suited for this? And that opens up this, like this competitive side in all of us. So if I say that to Puma, if I look at Puma as just some startup, they got five employees and I go, Puma, what makes you better than Nike? What makes you more unique? Mm. Our inclination as, as humans is to, is to fight back at that challenge and, and answer in, in the ways I listed before. Well, our, our leather is superior because it's blah, blah, blah grain and from these, but no one cares about that. <laughs> and you, but you got to look at these bigger companies and just these, these classic examples of how this is done because it, it, it can help you avoid going down that path and answering with that sort of way. You don't have to have the magic formula. Not to mention, no one necessarily cares yeah. that you've been around for 100 years, right. that you've accomplished this and that. That might not be what's relevant because that's not what's that's not what's what's really resonating at any sort of emotional level with your customer. And so don't be afraid to, to, to 
have a story for your organization, to have a big idea for your organization that's more about your insight into your audience and less about you and less about your history and your legacy and all of that yeah. and more about how you uniquely understand the audience. Mm, that can so be good. so powerful. So good, man. It reminds me of just, you know, it reminds me about uh, of one of our clients and I'm using them as an example because there are some folks who go, well, that's Puma, that's Snickers, you're talking Nike. This won't work for the average size company. Or this won't work for industries that are like these non-sexy brands. And time and time again, we wholeheartedly would disagree with that. One example of this is one of our clients uh, who sells gutter guards. I mean, there's nothing sexy about gutter guards, let's be honest. How do you position that? How could a big idea actually work to drive customers to take action and buy this product. And yet we have seen time and time again that it does. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a, I think with some of these examples that you can be defensive and go, well, it's easy when you've got a great product, like, yeah. you know, Snickers and Puma, there's so much to pull from. They're cool and this and that gutter guards inherently are not interesting, <laughs> you know, I mean, they're just not something that most people mm -hmm. either know about or are talking about or have yeah. a lot of context for yeah. so that presents a big challenge for you know how do you how do you find something that has that emotional connection an emotional connection with a gutter guard like that sounds that sounds a little hard to me yeah but that's you know but that was that was the big challenge there and that was something that we had to explore and had to had to dig into mm -hmm. and yeah so if we follow the same model where we started with the problem we took you know a couple months to really immerse ourselves in the industry, in the experience of the customer, we started uncovering things like, you know, if you're if you're protecting your home, your home is one of your your most valued assets, right? It's the thing that matters most to you from an investment standpoint, or at least one of them, right? We started finding things like that. Your time, yeah, your time, and started <laughs> to find that, you know, there are there are plenty of avenues of inspiration and education as it pertains to home improvement. Mm -hmm. There are shows that get you fired up. There's YouTube videos that show you that you could do anything anywhere on your house ever. Right. You want to add on? Great. You can do it in a weekend. Mm -hmm. And then there's products to help you do it. You go to the hardware store, there's stuff there. And so we started to pick up on that and realized that there's this emotional side, this emotional connection of like, yeah, that's there, but so much stuff out there doesn't make me look good when I'm done or doesn't live up to what I thought I was going to do mm -hmm. or Makes I gotta a, do it again. Yeah, made a promise to me. Yeah. The product made a promise to me, and I tried to use it. Sure enough, you know, second winter, it's it's busted, it's breaking, it's rotting, it's rusted, whatever. Like, and that sucks, and people mm -hmm. know that, and so they're leery of these DIY products and and wanting to do anything themselves because they've been burned. Mm -hmm. and so that took a lot of time to get into that to recognize that there's this big investment that people are trying to protect. There's their time, their safety, all these other aspects that people are thinking about. And then on the other side, this emotional side, there's there's just the fact that so many products suck and so yeah. many products don't work. Not even just gutter guards, just products in general right. that are DIY. You do it and you're disappointed with the result. Yeah. And so as we tapped into that, you know, we we started to uncover a lot of different language that was very not only true to those customers, but true to the organization. Mm -hmm. That's a great point and super important to hone in on. 
you know, this idea was something that was very organic and authentic to the organization itself. You don't want to come up with a big idea that nobody believes, right? We want something ideally that the entire organization can rally around. And so I think as a core purpose, what we ended up with was this idea of guarding what matters most. You know, your your home matters, your time, all the things that you had mentioned earlier. Yeah, and I think, you know, just to, just to play it back through the you know, the filter of the stuff we were just talking about, this idea of you're not you when you're hungry. Again, we're those, that's a good example because everyone knows what it looks like. So I'm going to, I'll use that for a second because we've just introduced this idea of do it right, do it once, but Mm -hmm. look at it, look at under that sort of frame and go, what's happening there is we're recognizing like this stuff sucks to do. Like you don't want to have to do it again. Yeah. So do it right, do it once. You know, you have, you have better things to be doing with your time here's a product that will help you do that. And I think what, what's interesting, just as you were saying about Snickers and, and our examples we were giving about positioning them versus the 52 other different chocolate products out there at the, at the checkout line, they didn't make it about themselves. Right. They didn't say we're better than this. We have more of that. Now more peanuts, whatever. They didn't lead with that kind of stuff. <laughs> right. They made it about the customer. Yeah. You're not you when you're hungry. And so this idea of do it right, do it once it doesn't say like we're the one that does that mm-hmm. because that's not needed. We want to make the customer important here. We want to mm-hmm. make the customer the hero of the story and go, look, if that's you, if that's what you believe in and that's how you want to spend your weekends, then we're going to help you get there. Yes. Just like Snickers saying, CJ, you're on a road trip and you're hungry, pick us because we made that statement. We went out there and we led with that. And that's what's so important, I think, to distinguish in, in what a good big idea does. And the power of a big idea is that it, it hits that customer on, on a level that makes them feel like, yeah, that's me. You yeah, got me. I get you it. nailed me. You just like me. I said, yeah. just like I said about Snickers going, you got me. You understand how hangry I can get. Yeah. I look at those products at Gutter Glove and I go, do it right, do it once. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to do. So sure, I'll pick your product because you're the one saying that. Yes. And that's that's the power of the single big idea versus the more stuff the more ideas saying we have more features more benefits more this more that than the other guy because i'm i'm not going to remember that i don't care about that and that doesn't really connect with me but this idea of going we get you and we're going to help you do you is so powerful always 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 so to wrap it up all big ideas are made up of clear problem being able to articulate that that problem statement that context and what your customer is dealing with it it's able to tap into some kind of emotion there and makes a emotional connection. Like Dustin just said, you want your customer to feel like they're understood. It's not about your features, not about your benefits. Again, there may be a place for those things, but that's not what you lead with. And then in the end, and the ability to say all of that in a very succinct way. I think the, the only other thing I would add to that last point is that it's important to to discipline yourself and go through the exercise of, of trying to say all this succinctly because this thing's got to travel. It's got to like be mobile and memorable enough to move, to make its way from the very top of the organization throughout the ranks, right? And so we'll get it down to maybe a word, two words, three words at the very most. Yep. But we do the hard work of trying to communicate all of this stuff in like very, very succinct way. It's so true. I feel like we'll have to do another another topic just on what it does internally. Yeah. Cause I think we spend a lot of time talking about it as, like I said, most people would call maybe a slogan, but it's, it's so much more than that. Mm. You know, you look at, 
this this idea just you know last point on gutter glove this do it right do it once that's not just a slogan that is or, or a big idea i should say that's relevant to their audience and how they feel and the problems they're trying to solve, but it's relevant to the organization. It's relevant to their founder. It's relevant to their culture. And so it's something that they can really get behind and and serves as this sort of, you know, North star of like truth for the organization. Mm -hmm. And what's important about that is they, they can deliver on that. This isn't a statement that is false or that is so aspirational that it's out of their, their reach, out of their realm. So they can continue to deliver on that promise. And so it's true. And that Mm -hmm. it's, it's not just some, some made up marketing language. It's actually very real to the product, to the customer experience, to all of that. So that they're delivering on it time and time again. So that the customer is not just reading it on a box, they're experiencing it. Then they're telling their friends and that story continues to grow. So Mm. I think, you know, good big idea does so much more than just get customers excited. It, It really gets the, you know, the internal folks fired up as well and cast that vision to them. And that's where the real impact happens. I mean, if you can turn your 10 employees, 100 employees, thousands of employees into your marketers and communicators, then you've done something really special. And if they believe it, then you've done something really impactful and special. So in the end, we would highly recommend you know, that you spend the extra time really digging through the big idea of whatever it is you're trying to sell, whatever it is you're trying to pitch. It makes it easy to understand, it makes it easy to share, and it makes it easy to take action on. So from all of us at Bamboo, thanks for listening. Hey there, thanks for listening to the Take Me Ground podcast. Do us a favor and subscribe. That way you don't miss any future episodes. Also, we appreciate and read every review, so thank you in advance if you leave us one. To learn more about us, check out bamboocreative.com. See you next time. See you next time.